Thank you for calling NHS 111. Please press 9 to continue. If you are calling about coronavirus, you do not need to let us know. There's a good chance you might have rung and heard this message, or something like it, from the NHS in the last few weeks. If you are calling because you have a cold or flu symptoms, more than a million people have called 111 about coronavirus. Or press 2 to continue. And, it turns out, some of them are doctors. I'm Manveen Rana, and this is Stories of Our Times, a new daily podcast from The Times and The Sunday Times. Each day, we'll be looking at one important story in depth. I work as a consultant anaesthetist, a doctor, and eight days ago, got diagnosed with coronavirus. And this week, there really is only one story in town. Health officials have told me that they effectively concede we failed to contain the virus in the UK. On today's show, the virus, part two. What happens when the doctors get sick? And how will the NHS cope? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello? Hello, is that Claire? Yes, hi. Hi, it's Manveen. Hello. Thanks so much for doing this. Fabulous. I need to now do something like a voice. Dr Claire Gerarda is an NHS GP in London. She only lives a few minutes on the underground from the Times offices. But today, I have to speak to Claire on the phone. She's in isolation at home, and she's tested positive for coronavirus. Right. Are you recording? I'm recording. I'm recording. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm going to cough, if that's all right. Go for it. <coughs> yeah, that's it. That really is a dry cough. Firstly, how, how are you? Uh, I'm a lot better. I'm very, very tired, though. Just getting up and down a flight of stairs is pretty exhausting, and I'm someone who's very fit. But otherwise, I'm on the mend. What a relief. Yes. I always compare, is this better or worse than childbirth? But it's a sort of... And this is worse. Well, but it's not literal, to be absolutely honest. Of course, childbirth is bad. But childbirth, you forget it. You forget the pain of childbirth. It's, and it's got a fabulous ending at the end of it. And it's contained and it's not frightening, really. But it's, so for me, it was the worst illness I've ever had. You're restless. I mean, your legs feel they're on fire and your chest feels as if somebody's stamping on it. And it, everything hurts. Meanwhile, on the other side of the country, another doctor who's become a patient. So my name's I'm 41 years old. I work as a consultant anaesthetist, a doctor, and eight days ago got diagnosed with coronavirus. You work in a hospital? Yeah, I work in a hospital. So I was in, in I'm an anaesthetist, so I was in theatre all day. I anaesthetised three patients. In an operating theatre? Yep, but I felt fine until maybe late afternoon. And I felt a bit strange and I just thought, I wonder if... My temperature's gone up. So I made some phone calls and, and left work, you know, as, as 
quickly as I could and came home. I still wasn't thinking coronavirus. So we drove up to A&E and some people, a couple of nurses met us outside in, in the full sort of suit and did a swab really? test for each of us. They we didn't even get out, out the car. They were all kitted out, yeah. And so we didn't get out the car. So they did a swab test. You did it sat in the car? Yes, sat in the car. So I got a phone call from the hospital to say it was positive and they were quite shocked and <laughs> I was shocked. As well as the doctors with coronavirus, the NHS is preparing for a wave of patients to get infected. I've been told by several doctors at different intensive care units that they're already facing problems with capacity. Andrew Gregory is our health editor at the Sunday Times. However this crisis pans out, one thing we can be sure is that it will be expensive and that it will take a lot of the budget of the NHS uh, in the coming months and years. The leaders of the NHS are expecting a worsening of the crisis. We've moved to a new phase. I used to be head of the Royal College of General Practitioners. I currently work as a doctor in London, and uh, that's about it, really. And I was in New York last week. Is that how it happened? That is how it happened. The timescale is about right. When I was there, there was a lot of noise around the system about New York having some cases of coronavirus, and it went from basically naught to having a state of emergency. I was staying in a very large hotel. The hotel had two, 3,000 people there, many people from Italy. So, you know, it was quite clear that's where I got it from. Of course, I didn't know I had it till the middle of, of last week when I developed a very high temperature and, and uh, got tested and found out I'd got coronavirus. I knew I had with the symptoms, but uh, I got tested. Did you? What happened? So you came back? Well, I came back. I was absolutely fine. I mean, no problems at all. And it went from being absolutely fine to not being fine in the space of just a few hours. So I came back, I went really? back to work. Really? As rapidly as that? Yes, about two or three hours. So I'd been to work, I'd been to see friends, and from being well, the first symptom was a dry cough. And then from dry cough to having a really high temperature was probably about four or five hours, which is very rapid. So I tried to ring 111. It was very busy, but I took myself off to one of these testing pods. That's so interesting. Did GPs ring 111 too? Well, I had been away for a week, remember, so I didn't actually know what the guidance was. And I wanted to make sure that I was doing the right things. If you have symptoms or you have concerns about coronavirus, press 1. If you are looking so yes, GPs follow the rules, believe it or not. And what did 111 tell you? You must self-isolate until you have checked the official up-to-date advice on nhs.uk on who is required to self-isolate depending on areas travelled to. Because I hadn't come from an endemic area, so there was a list of about 15 countries, but I said, look, I know I have because they've just declared a state of emergency. Uh, I have uh, officially declared, done a declaration of emergency which gives us certain powers. So New York must be an endemic area. It's not just northern Italy. It's So I got tested. The guidance then was not to be tested, but I was already in a testing pod. 
So it was much easier, I suppose. I walked up to one. Where are these testing pods? Well, if you look online, they tell you where they are. I don't know whether they still exist anymore. Things have changed quite rapidly. I went to one in my local hospital. I'd rather not say where it is in case I advertise them and they suddenly inundated. But if you look online, there are where the pods are. For me, I'm pleased I've been tested. I'm pleased because it means that I know what it was and I got a bit more certainty. But even if I hadn't been tested, I would assume this was coronavirus. So it's not the test that's going to change the management, positive or negative. What's important is the symptoms. If you've got a high temperature and a headache and a sore throat and a cough, the chances are you've got coronavirus if it goes on for more than 24 hours. But if on top of that you're breathless or you develop other symptoms, or you're you're immunocompromised, or you've got underlying health conditions, that's what will change the management, not the test. So tell me, what have you found out about NHS testing? There are two things that have changed. Andrew Gregory has been investigating the NHS's response to the virus. One is that there's been a dramatic shift in who is being tested. At the beginning of this outbreak, the strategy was very different. You would be tested. That was part of a phase called containment. We've now reached the end of that stage. Health officials have told me that they effectively concede we failed to contain the virus in the UK. So the government is now no longer testing people with the milder symptoms. But, and it's important to stress this, what we have found is that there is still a significant demand for testing in people who display more serious symptoms. The Sunday Times has been told that the UK is actually finding it challenging turning these tests around quickly. Public Health England says that most tests are turned around between 24 and 48 hours. But I've been told some doctors are waiting seven days to get a result back. Why is that such a problem? Well, that's important because health officials cannot immediately contact those close contacts of that patient until a confirmed diagnosis has been made. Several days later than it should be. And in that time, this person could be meeting a number of people along the way, could be spreading it even further. You'd hope they wouldn't, because if they were tested for the new coronavirus, they would have been advised to self-isolate. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't have an effect on the patient, because that delay means there's a delay in them seeking treatment. If they're only testing the most serious cases now, has it just made the idea of testing slightly redundant? Because there'll be lots of people who have it in a less serious form who'll be spreading it anyway. Does it become pointless? I don't think so, no. I think it still remains absolutely critical to test as many people as possible. There are capacity issues, which is partly why I think the NHS and Public Health England are made these changes just to test the most serious cases. We contacted Public Health England for a statement about those reports of delays in testing. A spokesperson said currently they have the capacity to process between 1,500 to 2,000 tests per day and they're processing the vast majority within 24 to 48 hours for NHS clinicians to pass on to patients. We're so not used to being ill that when we're ill, it's even more frightening. Whether you're a doctor or not a doctor, it's even more frightening if you haven't got anyone that can come and look after you because you're in isolation. So 
The strange thing is that what you actually want is someone to come and hold your hand and to wipe your brow, but they can't. How does it compare to flu? How does it compare oh, to things people have... much worse than flu. I've had the flu once, uh, had about 15 years ago, and I was very high temperature, shivering, I went home to bed. This was much longer than a day, it was 36, 48 hours. Very, very high temperature, terrible headache. It's like a very bad dose of the flu, but longer and more severe. And I just thought, well, I'm just going to have to just survive it. I dosed up on paracetamol, didn't really work, but it took some of the pain away. Had chicken soup on the last day, which was like penicillin. Does that help? Oh, it was fabulous. <laughs> Absolutely fabulous. What uh, were you doing in the meantime, sort of? Oh, sleeping. Yeah. I uh, can't do anything else but that. Isolating yourself from everyone else? Completely isolating myself, except from my dog, I'm afraid. I know there is a question that dogs ah. might be able to get coronavirus, but, you know... Is your it, dog showing any symptoms? Not at all. She's as fit as well. She's sleeping all the time, but she always sleeps all the time. So nothing has changed in her. But no, completely isolated. My husband uh, only came into the room wrapped up in a Chelsea scarf to give me drinks and the family have stayed away. How are you managing that with your husband? I mean, is Well, we communicate on the telephone. Really? Uh, in the same house? <laughs> yes, he's downstairs. So we communicate on the phone. If I do happen to go downstairs, he gives me a wide berth. Uh, I wear my mask. He disappears, scuttles away. We've got two beds, fortunately, one upstairs, one downstairs. And that's it. We've been apart since this all started. But I would say it's very difficult. And again, as time goes on, uh, more and more of us get it. The realisation of isolating from your members of the family in the same house is very, very difficult. And I think it's something that may well change in the end because it's it's difficult. What do you do if you sit on the sofa? Do you suddenly have to get up with a disinfectant and clean it down? And, you know, people live normal lives in normal homes and may even only have one loo. What do you do if you've only got one bathroom? Your family, how did they react when they realised you had coronavirus? Uh, my family haven't been to see me, of course. Uh, that's the most, you know, I'd quite like to see them, but oh, they were clearly quite worried about it. I mean, I think at the moment the news is that coronavirus is, is almost universally fatal, and it isn't. Of course it's, it's dangerous in people who are elderly, immunocompromised, and it can be dangerous in those with underlying health conditions, but the majority of people... With corona, the majority we know are just going to have a really rough illness and get out through the other end. And I think for the vast majority of people, and especially people much younger than I am, I'm 60, most people younger than me will have a milder illness, they'll be able to tolerate it much better. My eldest son sent me some Lego. Can you believe how the, t how the tables are turned? When he was little Did and sick, I used to buy him Lego in his recovery, so he's bought me Lego. He bought me the Empire State Building <laughs> to remind me <laughs> of where you got it. Where I got it. So there you are. I think this is going to change completely how we use the health service. I'm absolutely sure it's also going to change how we work together and how we look after each other in our communities. My neighbours, dearest neighbours, uh, walked the dog, brought some food round. And I think, you know, if we can all just hang on together, I think this is going to change possibly for the better.
So, you know, it, it's, what can I say? It was a bad illness, but you come through it. So hang in there. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How bad do you think it might get here? I think there is a danger of everyone um, becoming infected. Again, it remains to be seen, but... I have been told by doctors that down the line, serious decisions will have to be made. When it comes to capacity, intensive care units in particular may have to make very serious decisions about which patients they are giving their care to. Part of the strategy we know involves redeploying possibly thousands of medical professionals in areas outside their expertise. So, How easy is that? Do people have to you know sort of pick up a whole new um, whole, whole new skills overnight well it's not easy i've been told recently that gps who may have spent 20 30 years in a surgery are now being asked what experience of intensive care have you ever had isn't it easier to make mistakes if it's not really your area given the scenario we're facing the nhs thinks the best thing is to plan for redeployment and Hope for the best. And how different is it? I mean, you've been a GP for a number of years. We've been told that some GPs who've been in general practice for 20 or 30 years are being asked about intensive care now. Well, I'm, I'm surprised that that's the case, that they're being asked to go into intensive care. I really am. I suspect what they're actually saying is that doctors need to be prepared to move to areas which they may not be familiar with. So, for example, if routine operations are going to end, it would seem sensible to move surgeons into supporting intensive care because they'll be much more used to that environment. I think it may well be that people will be moving around, but the ideas of a GP going to intensive care doesn't fill me with, with confidence, to be absolutely honest. How many days have you had in quarantine now? 
Uh, I've been in since, well, a few days, about five. Four. How many do you think you have left? Well, it's, I'm going to stay until next Sunday. I'm, I'm not going to get out, mainly because as so a GP... you've got another I just, week to go. Yeah, I just want to keep it. I just want to sort of stay in, really. The advice, I think, has been it's five days from when you're last, when you're last sick. So, theoretically, you know, I could probably go back to work Wednesday, but I'm not going to. Do you think do you think it'll be safe for you to go out and meet patients again? I mean, do we know yet if, if you're still carrying anything? No. Uh, I, do you know, these are really interesting questions. So I have asked, and I will ask, do I need retesting? Now, the advice at the moment is you don't need retesting. The advice last week was that health professionals needed to be retested. Now it's changed and you don't need to be retested. So I will check that before I see any patients because I'm not concerned about catching it again. I'm concerned about giving it clearly because I see sick people. And if they say, if they say you don't need retesting and you don't need to take any precautions, then as with everybody else, I will trust the advice that I'm given. But we don't really know that if your having this will make you immune to having it again. No, we don't know. And uh, and I'll try and find out when I'm better. But on the whole, common sense says that once you've got something once, the chances are you reduce your risk of getting it again. But I'm not an expert, but I will wait to see what the guidance says. But I cannot imagine that people aren't looking at this at the moment, as we probably speak. In the meantime, though, how do you alter your behaviour? I mean, will you feel... Like it's safe enough for you to go and see your patients again in a week's time? Uh, I mean, will I, imagine I feel some safe them, enough? Well, and w- will they be safe enough? I imagine some of them will be quite elderly or will have conditions. Yeah, which but, yeah I mean, do you worry about I don't spreading know. I'd not them, even though? thought... I mean, I probably would... Do I say to them, you know, I've had corona two weeks ago. Uh, I don't know. I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. At the moment, I'm just trying to recover myself. I will give that th- serious thought next week. And hopefully by next week, somebody will be able to give me a definitive answer. But otherwise, what you're actually saying is every single health professional that gets corona is off the list of being able to do any medicine. I'm not hearing that at all from anywhere. As a doctor at a time of this big pandemic, do you think you might be placing yourself under more pressure to go back and and help all over again? Me personally? Yeah. Uh, with or without corona, even if I hadn't had corona, I think it's it's my duty. It's it's what doctors have to do. Of course, we have to take precautions. But uh, once I'm back, hopefully in the next two or three weeks, I can do the job that I've been trained to do. Has it been harder than you thought it would be staying in, inside for so long? At home, it's a long time for anybody to stay in one place. And whilst I've got a lot of things to do, I think if I was to give any advice is, you know, go and get something to occupy yourself, get yourself some books. It's a long time to fill, especially when you're well. When you're sick, of course, time passes very quickly. But when you're well, it goes very, very slowly. What are you planning to do for the moment you can leave when you're out of quarantine? The thing I miss most, really miss most, it sounds very odd, is walking the dog (laughs) in fresh air in the park. Do you know what? You don't know what you're going to miss till you're not allowed to do it. Well, I hope you feel better soon and I hope you get to walk the dog soon. 
it will end, it has to end. And then I think we'll all have a, a real stop take and, and think about our part in this and, and what it's meant to us all. And it was raining a little bit and it felt lovely on my skin. For the other doctor we spoke to, being able to walk out into the open air was a powerful moment. And being out, you know, the lights were really bright and the smell from the restaurants was um, a bit overwhelming initially. Um, it was exciting. This doctor has been let out of quarantine unexpectedly early. When we got our positive results, the consultant virologist from our trust was, was fantastic. He kept in contact. He rung us every day to see how we were and to sort of update us on the national guidelines coming through. We talked about what would happen when we were both well and how we would get back into work and back into society. He said, you know, they'll, we'll probably be retesting you, but we're going to aim to just retest you once. So we're going to want to wait till all your symptoms have gone completely, plus a couple of days probably. So to and make then, sure you're clear before you go yeah, back to work. And then we'll aim for a test. And if that's negative, you'll be fine. But that all changed. So the end of last week, they knew that there was new national guidance about coronavirus from the UK. And when he had confirmation, he rung us to say that the new guidance suggests that we don't need to retest anyone. We contacted Public Health England for a statement about when doctors can safely return to work. A spokesperson sent us a link to the generic guidance for all workers, regardless of whether they're working on the front line in the NHS. So... As long as it's been eight days since the start of your symptoms and as long as you haven't had a temperature for two days or more, then you can assume you're, you're well and hopefully not shedding the virus anymore and you can go back into society. Does that, does that seem sensible? Well, so this might be quite telling. So I asked him, um, obviously that's his advice and that's what, that's what the hospital has decided based on the national guidance um, and it's probably sensible. But I said to him, you know... I was planning to visit my mum, uh, who lives in London, uh, in the next week or so. She lives alone and she's in her 70s and she's got um, other uh, illnesses. She's got some lung disease. And I said to him, you know, if that was you, when would you feel happy to go and visit an elderly relative? Um, And he said, I would leave it some time. I'd give it another week or so. Really? But that's not based on any specific information about coronavirus. No, but it isn't it because we don't actually know? And you well, haven't been tested again, so we don't no. know if you're carrying the virus. Exactly. In the meantime, has he said, has the hospital said, it's okay for you to go back to work? Yeah, so he said, um, on, this is on Friday evening, that you are now you know, free of quarantine and you, you, you can start back at work. So, ha- um, hang on, you're, you're, this, you've, you, the hospital has told you... Maybe don't go and visit your 70-year-old mother because well, they don't know if you're... that was unofficial advice. Yeah, um, unofficial advice. But unofficially, they're cautious about those things because they can't guarantee you yeah. wouldn't infect her. But the official advice says you, you, can, go and, go. you can go into an operating theatre. Yes. Where somebody is being operated on for uh, some you know, yes, serious conditions. that's it. Isn't that terrifying? It's really terrifying. But maybe there's just not going to be the resources to retest everybody. And certainly if if everyone in the community, if we're not testing people who become ill in the community, then there's no point doing a test at the end of their illness. You know, you need to do both, don't you? And they're not going to test you. So you, you only found out on Friday evening, you could be going back to work. The next day, potentially. The next day. Yeah. And they're not going to test you before you go back into work. That's correct. You could still be carrying it. Yeah. Yeah. 
You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Dr. Claire Gerarda, the Sunday Times health editor, Andrew Gregory, and an anonymous doctor currently recovering from coronavirus. You can read more of Andrew's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print every Sunday. The producers were James Shield and Elizabeth Nakano. The executive producer is Leo Hornack, and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Nicholas Rofast. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. You can subscribe now so that you never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more. See you tomorrow. <laughs>